Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Podcast, with your host Nick Myers. Artificial Intelligence. Voice Recognition. Machine Learning. Robotic. Actionable Analytics. It is Nick's goal to help everyone understand how AI and voice technology are reshaping our lives both personally and within organizations. Your glimpse into the growing world of AI and voice first starts now. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Nick Myers. Welcome to the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and I am here to help break down topics in artificial intelligence and voice first to show everyone how these technologies are going to impact our lives both personally and within organizations. The Artificial Podcast is brought to you by Red Fox AI, helping give brands a voice to the power of AI and voice assistant technology. Welcome to the Artificial Podcast. My name is Nick Myers, and I am here to help take you through a journey of artificial intelligence and voice first to learn more about how these technologies are impacting our lives both personally and within organizations. This week's guest is Colin Bournes. Colin has a background in institutional investment consulting and financial operations, having recently worked in finance at VaynerMedia. Colin currently works as an associate with a venture capital fund that has thematic focus in audio and voice called Voice Punch. Colin also runs a daily flash briefing on voice technology and its impact on business called Voicing Business. Colin is also the host of a new podcast called Voicing Startups that focuses on bringing awareness to startups that focus on audio and voice first technology. Colin, welcome to the Artificial Podcast. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on, Nick. You know, my pleasure. I know you and I have kind of connected over the past couple of months here and have been talking about doing an episode for quite some time. So I'm finally happy we can carve out some time to do that, especially given all the different things that you're working on. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely both jumped through a few different hoops. I'm happy we were finally able to find the time to make this happen. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I'm excited to interview you because especially with your work now, with a voice-based venture capital fund specifically, I don't think I've, I've had anybody to date on the show who's kind of been in that space. So I'm really excited to kind of get your perspective on a few things. And then, you know, just from one podcast host to another, learning more about what you're working on with your podcast. And I know your flash briefing has been very successful and a lot of people have given really positive feedback about that. So got some really interesting things we're going to talk about here. But how I always like to open things up is learning about how the guests who come on the show got started either in the AI or voice space. And of course, in your case, it's voice. So why don't you kind of open up the curtains into how Colin Bournes got started in voice? Yeah, so I'll try and make this quick, but it, it goes back really to um, being really entrepreneurial as a kid and always being fascinated with both startups and um, also early stage investing, probably mm -hmm. with some uh, credit to Shark Tank and, and things like that. <laughs> um, however, when I got to college, uh, I didn't really have you know that that technical background that people talk about um, with startups, and I figured my best path into venture uh, was really to go the old fashioned way, you know, become an investment banker, uh, do, do that sort of thing, get an MBA and, and hopefully um, find your way into uh, a fund. But after being in school and uh, realizing that path really wasn't for me, I figured I would try and find a way to 
add value in a way that I would actually enjoy on a, on a day-to-day basis. And yeah. what I, what I stumbled upon was, you know, if I could find a way to, to really understand the specific technology and add, like I said, add value to a, a fund in some capacity, um, that, that's piqued my interest a lot more. And, and ultimately that led me to, uh, audio and voice. And when, th- thinking of the best place to both go and learn and, and also build out a network. The, the first thing that jumps to your mind, or at, at least jumps to my mind, uh, was VaynerMedia. And, and having been a fan of Gary for a few years now, um, it was really interesting and uh, was something that I was really excited to at least try and do, you know? Um, and so yeah. I ended up working... Uh, as a financial operations analyst in VaynerMedia. Um, and like you said, uh, I do have a daily flash briefing. And, and while I was there, a, a way to sort of start different business conversations um, around the evolving voice space, that's that's why I started that flash briefing. And then flash forward about a year uh, towards the, for the last few months now, um, having built out that network, I was starting to have a lot of interesting conversations with founders and, and operators in, in audio and voice. Um, and that's what ultimately led to me wanting to start this Voicing Startups podcast and, and really just bring more awareness to all these different, really unique companies um, that are trying to solve different problems and, and create all all brand new business models altogether as well. Um, Super interesting stuff. And um, ultimately my my efforts and uh, goals with the Voicing Startups uh, podcast aligned Mm -hmm. well with um, the the venture fund I'm now working with uh, called Voice Funch, like you said, that has a thematic focus in both early stage audio and voice startups. So yeah, that's sort of my uh, path to now looking for um, investment opportunities with exciting startups in this space. Yeah, that that's a great story. And, and I feel like I've been getting more guests on recently who don't kind of follow the conventional path that I've noticed when it comes to winding up in either the voice or AI space, you know, specifically with the voice space, what I found is so many people are like, Oh, I bought an Amazon echo and I used it for the first time myself included. And I just had the light bulb or epiphany moment where, which is why I think your story is interesting because you started out in a, in an industry that one would, you know, from the outside looking in see is completely unrelated to the space, but it got you, really in a, in a, in a weird way, immersed in it, maybe a, a bit more than some other spaces would have in, in just a roundabout way, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. And I think with any, I think with any newer evolving space, you kind of got to be creative as well. There's not going to be some blueprint or um, article that you can find on a Google search. That's going to be like, this is the way uh, to, to get to your, right. um, your specific job of interest in this <laughs> brand new evolving space. You know, um, there, there just really isn't that sort right. of thing. So you kind of got to take the bull by the horn sometimes. Right. And I mean, talk about, you know, an initial experience coming right out of college for you getting to work at VaynerMedia. And I know there's plenty of listeners on for for the podcast here that, of course, have heard Gary V be very outspoken about his interest in voice technology and some other disruptive technologies. So 
I guess my next question is, how did your experience working at VaynerMedia help kickstart your interest in voice? If it did, I don't, I don't know if it did or not, but I'm just curious to yeah. see if your time working in, in for, for an organization where I'm, I'm sure this was talked about or in, in some capacity, how that impacted you to this point. Yeah. So just uh, an initial disclaimer, um, like you said, I was working in finance, specifically financial operations at VaynerMedia. So while I wasn't working specifically on, on a lot of the, the really interesting uh, voice projects that have come in, come out of VaynerMedia, um, it did give me an opportunity to really build a network uh, specifically within VaynerMedia and um, also get a chance to actually talk with Gary very early on. And mm-hmm. um, if, if you've listened to any of his content, you, you, you see that conviction that he has um, for, yep. for voice space specifically in that, that same um, sort of interest or passion was, was felt also in the, the little bit of time I got to, to talk with him. And so that's what really um, initially lit the fire for me to say, okay, I'm, I'm working in this very unique space. I'm, I'm getting access to um, very unique people, but what am I really doing to yeah. um, push forward or start conversations um, in this in this space that I that I have this interest for, and that's what I honestly ultimately uh, led to me starting that flash briefing. Um, at first, I, I figured that was my best way to uh, not only prove to myself, but also prove to Vayner and uh, um, other uh, people in this space that that I really did have an interest to to give back and, and uh, sort of push the needle forward mm-hmm. in whatever way I could. Yeah, that that's interesting. So I, I I really like that while you were there, you decided to kickstart your flash briefing, just like you said, to kind of show them that, you know, I, I have an interest in this space and, and I want to do more with it. So was that really one of the primary reasons you decided to start your voicing business flash briefing? Or was there anything else that kind of went into you kickstarting that, of course, and now it's very successful? Yeah, um, you know, I, I figured... Uh, really, I, I, I just tried to think what, what is the, the unique perspective I might be able to bring to this, this industry. Um, and having uh, gone to school for, for finance and uh, always having this interest, uh, like I said, from, a, from an early age, um, in just early stage uh, companies and, and, and uh, ultimately changing industries, I figured um, the best way that I could uh, really just start <clears throat> doing something in the space was to start these mm-hmm. conversations from, from that sort of, uh, business lens that I, that I was so interested in. Um, so yeah, I, I, it did kickstart me, um, as a way to want to prove to Vayner, but, but really, um, I was thinking before, before I was ever at VaynerMedia, how, how am I, um, able to, to participate in this space. Um, it was just after, you know, uh, not really trial and error, but really just sort of smashing your head against a whiteboard (laughs) over, over time and being like, you know what, this is, this is, uh, this is what, um, I think I could, I could do at least as a, a starting point. Yeah, because I, I know I, I have your flash briefing actually in my Alexa routine. So when I wake up in the morning, actually, I, I have an Alexa in my bathroom. So while I'm like brushing my teeth and different things, I just run through my routine and flash briefings and, and yours always pops up. So I can attest to 
the the really good content that you have when it comes to voice in the business space. And for those of you listening who have not activated Colin's flash briefing voicing business yet, I highly suggest that you do. And I really haven't had too many people on the show yet who have actually created and and run a a, a flash briefing with a really consistent cadence. So what are some of the biggest struggles that you face putting together a flash briefing, keeping it going? What are some of the the hurdles and the struggles that you've dealt with so far with that? Yeah. So honestly, I think that that sort of uh, goes back to um, me committing um, to participating in this space. Uh, I, I went through and I did some of uh, Terry Fisher, as I'm sure some of the listeners on here are familiar with, um, he has a, a this flash briefing course, and and in that course, which is free and it's a re- really good resource, I highly recommend it. Um, he mentioned the importance of um, doing something consistent, just given the nature of of what a flash briefing is or the, a daily microcast like that. And so, really, um, I think my toughest thing was just that initial commitment to say, yeah. okay, this is this is something I am going to commit myself to do. Uh, on Monday through Friday, no, no matter what. And, and ultimately, um, I haven't really had much struggle since then because I truly am interested and in, in passionate about this space. And uh, my process is something I enjoy. I, I pretty much wake up, um, I go to the gym, I, uh, I do my little morning routine, and then I sit down and I, uh, I uh, talk about some sort of topic that it, that has caught my interest within the past day. So I, yeah. I try and keep it as fresh as possible and as top of mind and um, as I can. So um, it's something I've, I've really just started st- or added into my routine and have come to really enjoy the process of. No, that's fantastic. And I guess maybe on the flip side of that would have been some, some really positive, what are some, some positives that you've seen from doing the flash briefing, I guess, in terms of feedback or what you've learned personally, I guess, what are some really, um, some, some things that you've been able to identify that you've really been able to take away from doing this? Yeah. Um, I think what I really like about it is it's given me a way to not only, um, give my sort of, uh, takeaway from different things that might be evolving in the space, but it also gives me a platform to then get feedback on um, some things I, I maybe don't have that strong of an opinion on, or I'm, I'm curious uh, what what other uh, listeners might be uh, thinking about for for maybe some more general me to sort of scratch the itch of uh, different questions that that I also have, um, not just necessarily me giving uh, any advice or, or any of my two cents that that may come from an article or, or a different piece of news. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super valuable. And especially since you're doing it every day, I'm sure the more you do this, and you just you're, you're probably just learning more about the process that it takes to create this content, which for those who have not produced very short form audio content before, and I used to dabble a bit more with flash briefings, it's, it can be tough to try and do something new like that every single day and do it very well. So I give you kudos for that. And I'm, I'm super glad to hear that you've t- had some of those takeaways so far from, from doing this. 
Definitely. Um, and and I, to go just to, to add one more little piece to that. Yeah. Um, I would also say that a lot of the different things I'm talking about um, fall into to very similar buckets uh, that kind of span across this space that I've sort of um, targeted as specific pieces of interest uh, for me. It just so happens that a lot of those um, buckets of interest <laughs> just so happen to have new things uh, changing yeah. on, a, on what seems to be a daily basis. So pretty much, um, I'm, I'm, I'd never find myself uh, really trying to stretch to, to find something to talk about. A lot of times it might just be uh, a slight variation of something I said three or four days earlier. It might just have uh, some different little twist or, or a slightly different use case or uh, a different angle. So um, yeah, it's just been, like I said, a really enjoyable process uh, over time to sort of also see different trends and what um, seems to be uh, interesting in this space. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And uh, one thing I definitely want your thoughts on, since you are pretty much a, a serial flash briefing expert here, because you do them so often. So I know there was some news um, that came out, I think, a month or two ago, maybe even a bit longer, that Amazon pretty much openly said that, oh, we're, we're going to be placing a bit less of an emphasis on flash briefings. So do you think with that news that's going to impact flash briefings overall? And how do you think brands can you know, ultimately use this to their advantage and still find value with it. And I really want your perspective on this just because you're, you're involved so, so deep into it. Yeah. So I think flash briefings and voice in general, um, they're both still really early and you're going to benefit, uh, I believe whether you're a business, a brand or, um, yeah, whether you're a business or a brand who's who's interested in this this sort of uh, technology and, and what it has to offer, um, you're gonna benefit by playing around early and, and figuring things out. So, mm-hmm. if you think about flash briefing specifically, um, maybe this isn't gonna be the the exact sort of um, platform that is going to uh, result in some huge user base from your customers. However, it might be the next iteration of um, these flash briefings or these these shortcasts, which I am completely bullish about aside from uh, whether it's a flash briefing, a Google cast, whatever, yeah. whatever the, the format of it is. And um, to also speak to that, we I've, I've seen many different very interesting companies that are approaching these these sort of short casts from from different perspectives. Um, so I am I'm bullish on the the short sort of micro content space. Whether or not the um, platform is through a flash briefing, um, I I truly I don't think it really matters for the the content creator side. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we're just getting anybody that is creating now is getting valuable reps for whatever right. this sort of uh, short format content uh, turns into in the future. Right. I mean, to your point, this is pretty much the the tip of the iceberg here with this type of content. And with, it almost seems like everybody's attention span is just getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter by the year. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really valuable time to start experimenting and playing with short form audio content like flash briefings to really condense what you're trying to say really condense what you're trying to say efficiently and effectively to get your point across. I almost, when I first started messing around with flash briefings myself, I almost tried to think of it as like, 
the Twitter post of, of Alexa, because you know, with, with Twitter, you have only so many characters to condense what you're trying to say and same with the flash briefing, right? You don't want to go beyond like two minutes, three minutes and, and, and that because people are, are wanting short form audio content. So I think you're right on the money with that one, but switching gears just a bit now to your podcast, what has it been like now producing your podcast that, that really is just solely focused on startups in the voice first space, if you want to dive into that a bit. Yeah. Um, like I said, I started having these uh, interesting conversations with uh, different startups, uh, these different founders and, and people working there um, pretty much because of my, my interest and just uh, fascination with these early stage companies. And I figured, you know, I'm, I'm already having these conversations um, I, I believe they're somewhat interesting. Why don't I try and see if uh, other people find this interesting? And that's what ultimately led to the, the Voicing Startups podcast. And I really look at it as a way for me to have interviews with these companies as a way to um, just make them uh, just, just really drive awareness to uh, other companies that might be in this space, whether there might be some sort of partnership opportunity, um, or it might be a business that wants a, 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 a top of minor, a quick um, little mm -hmm. inside look at, at how maybe a technology could, could work in their company. Or maybe you're an investor who um, is interested in, in the voice and audio space. You don't have time necessarily to... Uh, do a deep dive and, and you want to just get a, a quick takeaway. That's really what uh, led to this uh, startup podcast specifically focused on the audio and voice space. Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. And I, I remember, I think maybe the first time we actually connected and talked on the phone, I think you ran this idea by me too, because I was first starting to work on my podcast and I'm like, you know what? I have not seen a single thing like that out there right now in the voice specific podcast space. And I, I remember telling you to go for it. So I'm super happy that you're, you're able to jump in and do that. And I guess now that you've been interviewing some of these different startups, what is the temperature like right now in the startups, in the startup world, in the voice space? Like what, what kind of startups are there? How many, what, what are some things that you've noticed? Yeah. Um, We've definitely had no problem talking to uh, new and interesting companies on pretty much a daily basis. Um, there's there's That's new great. companies, yeah. There's new companies popping up, um, like I said, what seems to be daily, and it's not just uh, specific to let's say the Bay Area. It's really a global phenomenon. We're seeing companies from from Israel, from India, um, from Australia. Wow. Um, yeah, and across the United States, really, and all really interesting, interesting companies. So, yeah, I think that's what's uh, um, been specifically interesting so far is there. There really hasn't been been any shortage of companies, and I think um, as it relates to like the gen more general venture community, uh, Voice Punch itself is the sort of first of its kind, aside from um, sort of the legacy company. Uh, funds that are in place, like the, mm -hmm. the Google Assistant Fund, the the Alexa Accelerator, the right? Alexa fund, sort of those things. So, so Voice Punch is sort of the first um, of its kind in, in that right. Which I think, um, when you combine that along with also this podcast, um, has given us a really unique opportunity to 
uh, connect with a lot of really interesting companies uh, in this space, you know? Yeah. What, what, what would you say has been your most interesting interview so far, or what has been one of the most interesting startups that you've been able to have a talk with so far? Yeah. Um, without uh, giving too much as of right now, just because we are in diligence with uh, some different companies, yeah. um, I would say what is one space that we are specifically interested in, in bullish on is really insights and um, insights that are able to be taken away from meetings specifically. Um, so you've seen companies that are able to uh, take take the different speakers in a in a conversation and then give you a transcription and, and actionable insights from that and do some really really interesting mm -hmm. stuff with that information so you're you're talking about voice you're talking about ai you're talking about all these different things combined into one that isn't necessarily um something that might or an application that might be the first thing that a lot of people think of when they think of a, a voice application such as like um uh an Alexa skill or a Google action, but it's, it's really taking um, a lot of different underlying or a few of these different underlying technologies, combining them to create a really interesting and fascinating product. Yeah, no, I, that sounds like there's some pretty interesting stuff out there, which I guess then kind of, I'm sorry, I'm throwing all these questions at you, but I'm just kind of fascinated by just the whole startup yeah, space. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, honestly, sorry to cut you off, but to go on another one, um, like they're, they're, they're also solving real problems with um, audio or with uh, through voice. And one thing that I've talked about on my flash briefing a lot or, or really thrown, thrown around a lot on Twitter is this idea of empowerment through, mm -hmm. through voice. And, and while again, like voice doesn't touch everything. I mean, there's people that, that aren't right. able to speak and I'm aware, but um, that's, that's a, that's a different situation, but we can't disregard the empowerment that does come through voice. Exactly. And, like, there's one, another company um, that's very interesting. That's, that's able to um, do live transcription at a rate, that's just hasn't been seen before um, wow. for, for deaf and, and hard of hearing people. Um, so that See, they're that's able great. to just be, yeah. I mean, so you can be in a live meeting and these people that in the past either um, weren't able to interact because it was just too expensive, um, quite frankly, from an organization standpoint, or um, the quality of the transcription was lagging and just wasn't in that sort of real time to, to be meaningful. Like, so you're seeing use cases like that, that, um, if that doesn't get you excited, uh, I don't, I don't know what will, you know? Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm still just kind of processing the one company you're talking about that is able to transcribe stuff for people who are deaf or hard of hearing, because I think all of us in the space can agree that accessibility and making so many different things easier for people because of this technology really is at the forefront. So it honestly makes me feel fantastic to know that there is actively startups out there working on some accessibility initiatives that I really think are going to really, you know, help people's lives and, and solve a handful of problems here. I think that's great. So what, looking ahead to the next year, what do you think it holds in store for voice technology specifically for startups from really any company working in the space right now? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think 
I think with voice, um, just one value prop that that has been proven is uh, just the efficiency that comes with it. So um, whether you're a startup that that is building some sort of product or or you're a business that's looking to to add voice um, in some capacity to your your product offerings, I would say the best thing to do is is really look at the different customers you're trying to serve, and say what what are some of the current paths or or the current um, actions they're taking or, or they're they're participating in, and then think of how can I use this this new technology to um, to add some sort of efficiency to their lives and use that as really a, a, a kicking off point because um, really with any, any product having uh, having some path or way to have actual data driven results uh, mm-hmm. or decisions be made um, is key. And I think that the best way to actually get users in today's sort of um today's sort of place we're at with voice is by finding a way to drive efficiency for the end customer. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I am a huge advocate of right now is people have to understand that, yes, we're, we're very early on with the technology and it's evolving and it's great, but I think we've moved past that fad point. And, you know, if you're a brand organization looking to deploy this, I mean, it has to solve a problem. It has to, like you said, create some efficiency, streamline a process. It has to solve a problem. And I've even gone as far as even having a couple of meetings with some different brands. And, and I've told them, you know, I don't, I really don't think this works for you. I mean, some people may disagree with like, oh, well, every opportunity is a business opportunity, but if it doesn't make sense for the organization and it's not solving a problem, then it's, not going to make them money. So what's the point of deploying that? I don't know if that's something that you've seen in terms of some of the startups that you've been interviewing, if they kind of have that similar mindset. Yeah. Um, I would say yeah, definitely, you know, um, I, like I said, I think when people look at voice, uh, immediately they, they look at the thing that has brought it to the forefront of everybody's attention, which is, um, the, Sort of Alexa and, the, and through the the the, the dots specifically, um, and these different smart speakers that are now really just across across the country. Um, that's brought it to the forefront of everybody's minds. But but mm-hmm. from my perspective, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily. Um, I mean, there's just so much more to this industry than these smart speakers. Um, right. As it relates to to audio, to voice, to to conversational AI, um, that I think we need to sort of come at it with a wider lens and and really think of um, the best ways that we can uh, create new products and uh, ultimately, like I said, better serve customers. No, absolutely. I I think that's a a message that needs to be shouted louder and louder and louder across the room for, for anybody working in this space. And it makes, right and really it makes sense too, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I was having a conversation um, with Dave Kemp the other day and uh, he brought up this really um, interesting analogy where he was like, uh, if you were designing an experience, pretty much this isn't exactly quoted. This might be my sort of derivative <laughs> of it. Um, but essentially if you were, if you were building um some sort of experience for for somebody or for some customer or, or a business, whatever it may be, and you realize that you have all these different technologies 
um, is the first thing you're going to do to, to create this experience, go and grab um, your clock or your, your radio clock off of the, the dresser and, and add the technology to that and say, okay, how can I best yeah. serve my customer through it? I mean, the, the, what's really awesome about this is the fact that it's in all these different devices around us and these experiences are starting to become ubiquitous, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, so I think we just need to test ourselves and, and just try and be more creative with, uh, with the different uh, experiences that we're ultimately creating um, given, given uh, all these different devices that we have. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an, that's an excellent perspective. So switching gears kind of one more time before we, we start to wrap things up, I really want to talk to you about what your experience has been like working for a voice-based uh, venture capital fund here. Because I, I just, I find that really interesting. And, and like you said, this, what Voice Punch is doing is very unique compared to a lot of other funds out there. So, you know, what has it been like working for Voice Punch as a, as a venture capital firm that, that really only invests in audio and voice technology startups, with, you know, and what has that been like working in it with all of this being so new still? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this kind of goes back to um, how I got into the space. Like, it's definitely not the traditional path that that someone would go to to start working um, as an associate in a, in a venture fund, you know. Uh, but really, it 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 ultimately just came from the the network I was starting to create and the conversations I was starting to have, uh, where it made sense for me to. Um, ultimately join the company where, uh, like I said, my, my goal was to try and add value in my own sort of right. And my yeah. sort of way of adding value is by continuing to have these conversations, continuing to um, really just talk to more people. Like, I have the best job in the world. My job is to right. find and, and talk to as many interesting, uh, awesome people that are using this technology to, which is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally the best thing I could, I could possibly ask for. So, um, my, my day to day, I, I couldn't ask for, for a better day today. Um, I, I really am, am just focusing on, on how I can create the best sort of content to, uh, get the message of these startups out there and then talk to, as many different um, people as possible, because that is sort of the um, that is the the asset that that I bring to the company. I guess that that's that's a little much. Right. I do. I while I do have that background in um, investment consulting and then and then financial operations, um, I definitely don't have as much of a skill set as uh, Mark, my my partner, and then and then some of the other venture partners that that work with Voice Punch. Um, or necessarily uh, the the typical twenty year software veteran sold three companies <laughs> right. um, becomes the venture partner, you know. Um, but I would say that that should also I think it can also be encouraging because um, it does show that that you can get opportunities like this. You just have to be able to um, clearly show where you can add value to um, an organization. Exactly. And I think, I think that's the case with so many different things, but it's, 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 uh, I'm getting tongue tied. It's, ex it's especially important with something like this because of how new it is. And because of the niche way, I'm sure you have to go about just even talking with some of these companies and, 
you know, vetting people and, and filtering them through your process as a, as a fund. So I think yeah, it's, and, and really to that, like that perspective, I think that's where we get an advantage too. Mm-hmm. Um, because given the fact that we're so focused on, um, one specific, uh, place, it gives us this opportunity to really go, um, the analogy that we like to use is a mile wide and then a thousand miles deep. So we really see a lot <laughs> of like different, that. yeah, you know, we see a lot of different approaches to, to solve, um, some, um, similar issues. And I think that gives us, um, an opportunity to really have a unique perspective on, on how to go about, um, the right problems, I guess, for, for these different companies instead of, uh, doing the wrong things, um, as opposed to that. Yeah. And maybe kind of tying all this together and, 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 and looking at this maybe a bit differently now, based on some of the stuff you've been working on, is there, do you have any concerns when it comes to voice technology? Or I guess my question is, what is the biggest concern that you have when it comes to voice technology? If there, if there's something you had to, to pick that concerns you or something that you think people should be on the lookout for or anything like that, what is, what is the largest concern you have considering the technology? Yeah, honestly, um, I think that we, as people that are actually in the industry might not be taking privacy um, and security as seriously as yeah. we should. You know, a lot of times <laughs> I've, I've, I've struggled to find a way to, to put this into Twitter text or even into my flash <laughs> briefing sometimes. Um, but, but ultimately I think that a lot of times when I bring up these conversations around privacy or security, um, people are ultimately like, Oh, you know, uh, history has shown us that the press is always scared of like the next technology um, or they're scared of a new innovation and, and uh, user behavior ultimately yeah. what people care about. And, and trust me, I'm in that camp. I, I agree. People can go unplug their smart speaker when they want. Um, but that doesn't mean that the media perception isn't going to inhibit or can't inhibit growth or um, impact decisions made by some of these large companies that are sort of pushing the needle forward at the, the highest level. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that is, uh, should be of some concern. Also, um, when we're talking about uh, looking at the past and uh, how the media is always scared of like the next technology, well, the, the companies that are pushing forward these technologies uh, or in like the past that were um, maybe creating these new technologies that, that people are like, Oh, this is going to ruin society. All these different things. <laughs> they weren't, yep. they weren't testifying before Congress at that point either. Uh, right. So there is a lot more attention and scrutiny or, and there wasn't people literally running campaigns on the, Correct. Uh, the basis yep. <laughs> of, of taking these things over, you know? So like, I, I don't think it's as easy as just dismissing it um, in the way that we have. I think there needs to be, uh, a lot more transparency on the front end mm-hmm. with with voice specifically. Um, yeah, I, I just think there needs to be more of a, a conversation around that because you're not able to predict black swan events. But I, I don't and I don't want to manifest one into reality. But whatever, you know, uh, I, I just think that we should pay a little bit more attention to it. 
No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, even consider the past two weeks where there was that Google action outage because that firm out in, I, I'm trying to, it was, it was in the Netherlands or Germany or somewhere, I'm trying to remember the VoiceBot article, but they discovered that those vulnerabilities with Alexa and Google Assistant where third-party app developers could, you know, create silent triggers that would invoke the, the voice assistant and could start recording. And, you know, I, I looked at that and I almost kind of chuckled because I'm like, well, I kind of figured something like this would happen at some point. But then you look at all the reactions to it and everybody's like, ah, I knew this would happen. This is terrible. How could they let this happen? And I'm like, seriously? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. seriously, you didn't think like something like this could happen? I'm like, I'm glad they caught it. And I'm, I'm glad the issue is getting resolved. But this is, this is a part of the bump in the road process that we have to go through as we're refining the technology and making it better. And I, I couldn't help myself. There is a local news station out here in Madison, Wisconsin. They posted an article about the recent, you know, we discovered these vulnerabilities with Alexa, Google Assistant, yada, yada. And there were these people commenting saying, oh, that's why I'm not purchasing the FBI speaker and all this stuff. And Colin, <laughs> I could not help myself. I couldn't help myself. I normally do not engage with some of these people because I'll just go nuts, but I couldn't help myself. I wrote, I'm like, oh, that's funny. You purchase a smartphone and have had that for about a decade. Probably didn't know that's recording most of your conversations yeah. with silent triggers. So I guess you're <laughs> going to have to get rid of the thing you used to type this Facebook post. I couldn't help myself. Yeah, that's the, that's the user <laughs> behavior thing that, that's hard to, to argue with when it, when it comes to privacy. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty funny. Exactly. So, but no, I, I agree with you completely. I think there needs to be more of an open discussion about privacy. For me, it's more of the transparency of the data and where all that's going, but we could yeah. probably spend a whole podcast episode on just talking about that. So kind of tying everything together here as we wrap up, I always, when I do guest interviews, I, I always end on this question. What is one thing that someone can do today to begin leveraging vo either voice technology or AI, either personally or within their business or both? Yeah, so I think from the perspective of the business, um, we, we've, we've touched on it in this conversation a little bit that it's, it's hard to really understand because it, it can vary so much um, industry by industry, business by business, but the best way to figure out, um, I believe, is to start talking to customers if you're lucky enough, like if you have a, a business in place, talk to your customers and figure out a way that you can drive efficiency in, in some simple capacity to start and then use that as a kickoff point. That's, that's where I think I've seen the, the most success and uh, a good, at least uh, starting point to, to getting uh, into this space. I think that's absolutely excellent advice. The best way to start is is really, really analyzing a simple situation. And I, I think that's excellent advice to give people at this point in time. So what are some of the best ways that somebody could reach out to you if they wanted to, to contact you about really, I guess, your podcast, flash briefing, the work you do at Voice Punch, anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, the best place to kind of get the consolidated uh, version of all that is on my Twitter at Colin Borns. So that's C-O-L-L-I-N-B-O-R-N-S. And then you can find uh, the podcast at voicingstartups.com, uh, the flash briefing at voicingbusiness.com. And then if you are, are working on any sort of uh, startup or um, interesting company in, in this space, uh, go to voicepunch.vc and uh, send us your deck and we'll, we'll find some time to have a conversation.
Excellent. Well, Colin, thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge of, of uh, share your knowledge about some of the stuff that you've been working on. I, I think we had a fantastic conversation and I definitely know we'll be chatting soon. So definitely. Thanks for having me on, Nick. Yep. Thanks. Take care. Artificial intelligence, voice recognition, machine learning. Robot. You've been listening to the Artificial Podcast with your host, Nick Myers. Nick Myers. To stay up to date with all our latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. To learn more about how your organization can benefit by unlocking the power of AI and voice, visit www.redfox-ai.com. Until next time.